0: welcome to the purple political breakdown how's it going how's your day been and welcome back to the podcast and today i'm gonna ask the question to you for you to respond who had better economic policies who did better for the economy donald trump or joe biden i'm gonna go into what i saw in terms of their policies in terms of the statistics behind it and just give you some surface level knowledge in regards to both of their presidencies and what kind of They've done and what kind of happened as well. So, if you do enjoy, I do hope that you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Purple Political Breakdown, rate the podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a review if you have something to say to me. If you disagree, that's fine. I'm willing to have the discourse. And as always, akin to the model, the purpose of the podcast, the reason why I do it is to find political solutions without political bias now let's dive right into kind of the meat and uh potatoes of everything i don't have a review or a comment to share for you for today's episode but if you guys want to get shouted out for another episode just leave a reviewer comment so i can make sure i do that for you of course now there's going to be a lot of interesting things to talk about in terms of the main topic And we have a deeper, deeper segment as well, of course. But before we kind of dive into that, as always, if you guys want a website, make sure you guys check out Podpage. Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website, where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs, and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now Again, use the link in my description to join Podpage now Links in the description Make sure you guys sign up if you want your own podcast website So let's dive into our sub-segment To kind of get the juices rolling The mind rolling The mind thinking Let's get into Deep or deeper so the deeper, deeper question I have for you guys today is what is more valuable, the art or do you distinguish between the art versus the artist and what is the line? It's such an interesting question when it comes to art and artists, and it does pertain to your Moral values at the end of the day. If you have more strongly convicted moral values, there are going to be less kind of leeway you give for certain artists. But if you have pretty weak values, or if you favor the artist more than your values, then it can change up at different moments and different p- people and different superstars, right? We have prime examples as of recently, stars that have completely kind of embedded themselves into the culture they are icons beyond icons getting exposed for some of the worst things you can do as a human being we have people like r kelly r kelly is a scumbag we know the things he did with younger girls there is no excuse there's no justification for his actions but then you have his music and you know that the person singing is a terrible person but you know the art the music is good and the reason why this is interesting is because the art versus artist conversation kind of stemmed before the music it's usually kind of stemmed from material that is created that you can kind of see and and consume like in painting maybe even a photograph, or maybe even something that is written. But the reason why it's a bit different from music, and even writing a story is different from music, is because you can easily disassociate the picture, the painting, the the creation that you're seeing from the creator. Unless they have a prolific name, that name won't resonate at all. Any time you see it, like the only time people really see things on a very general basis in terms of created art and immediately distinguish the individual who created, is stuff that is made by people like Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, the the top of the top, Bob Ross. But unless you're these names, for the most part, it's very difficult to put a name to the creation, but you know the creation. So step one, the reason why you can separate art from artists when it comes to paintings, when it comes to creative art, is the dissociation you can have from the art and the artist to the point where the artist is irrelevant to the long-withstanding art that will stand the test of time. But then we have the other next step, next level, the written stories that are created. It's another piece of art when it comes down to it. It's a creative material that is cultivated by an individual through their brain, through their creativity those situations are a little bit more difficult to dissociate because you always have the author connected to the piece, the story. We recognize authors way more than we recognize painters or people who draw stuff in a general basis, of course, to the casual audience because the author's name is right there on the cover. It's right there in your face. So at that point, even though you don't know their face, really, even if you don't know the persona, you know the name. So it's another level of attachment to the art and the artist. Now, there's really not a lot of situations that you can point from as of right now, because the dissociation really helps you kind of Detach yourself from what the person's doing. The only controversial figure that I can think off the top of my head is someone like uh, the person who created Harry Potter. I forget her name, but she created Harry Potter. There's a lot of controversy regarding her and trans issues. But she created one of the biggest masterpieces in fictional history. So, at that point, even despite the controversy, you can see people want to read their stories. But again, there are individuals that, because of the controversy, refuse to kind of attach themselves with anything that has to do with harry potter we saw the big controversy when it came to the harry potter video game when the lgbtq tried to boycott the video game and tell people not to buy it because i think i remember the name now jk rowling was attached to the story and that's not even the written piece that's just an inspiration by the written piece so even though it's Another level, there's still a level of detachment, but there's still a level or a capability of not accepting the art because of the artist. Now, let's go level three and level four music and movies and TV shows. This one is a lot more difficult to detach this is a lot more difficult to dissociate because not only is there a name to the face but there's the face but there's a the personality you know you know more about the person than you've ever would have in the past two things that i was talking about you know about their person Personal life, you know, about who they're dating, you know, basically how they've grown up. That's all information that you are invested in because you can see the face, you know, the name, you follow the person. A lot of the times, a lot of these people are so big that they transcend their art. And that's when it gets a little bit more touchy because these artists, even though they make great art, you could argue some of these people who are very controversial transcend their art to the point where anything they make is a classic because their name is so powerful because the face is so powerful. So then it gets, it gets a little harder to kind of figure out for people. How do I detach myself from the name, from the person Because if you listen to R. Kelly's music, you hear the voice. You hear the voice. You know where that voice is connected to. If you watch a movie from a scumbag who has allegations, you see the face. I mean, perfect example. Amber Heard, right? You see Amber Heard. She's in a movie. People don't want to watch Aquaman because Amber Heard is in the movie. People probably don't want to watch the Bill Cosby show anymore because Bill Cosby's in the TV show. There's a reason why brands don't like to associate themselves f- with brand risks. So, if brands understand this, then does the statement of separating the arts from the artists truly work? Does it really make sense? It's a difficult question to be completely honest. And it really banks on your values and the consistency of those values. Because if you have strong values that you adhere to very consistently. And you really, really don't like certain characteristics then it will be very difficult for me to see you rash lines yourself from consuming the art that is going on. It, it gets a little tougher, I will say, to kind of put a, a caveat to it, is when the art is connected to other figures you care about, like a feature, like other actors being prominent in the movie. You can't take away their creation because of one person. That's something but something that is solely created by them and you listen to it still or you watch it still it gets a little touchy i'm gonna be completely completely honest so you really got to just judge the person who, who's making the argument do you believe they have strong moral values that they are akin to or do you believe their moral values are open enough to accept the crime or do you believe that their moral values is so weak that the star is more important the star is more prominent over the moral values and then to kind of go beyond that or i guess the fourth option is maybe they can truly emotionally detach themselves from the art and the artists which is completely possible. I don't think most humans are like that. But I do think that some are. So I think it's possible. Unlikely, but possible. So that's such an interesting question when it comes to the art and the artists and the impact of both but that's all I got for the deeper deeper segment. Let me, again, think about it for yourselves. Can you distinguish? Can you differentiate yourself the the art from the artist when it comes down to it? The crimes of the artist and the the fantastic nature of the art. So, we're about to dive into our main segment. Before we do that, a quick little promo, shout out pod nation pod nation tv has you beamed up with out of this world award-winning podcasts found exclusively on pod nation tv download pod nation tv for roku and fire tv pod nation tv out of this world so again i ask you the question ladies and gentlemen who are listening to the podcast And watching it, of course, on Pod Nation, Roku, or on the YouTube channel. I I ask you again the question Who do you believe did better for the economy, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? So I'm going to start off by reading a lot of economic policies from both Donald Trump and Joe Biden from what I could find. And based on what it says, I'm sure you want to create your own opinion. I'm just going to kind of read out the research that I found in terms of what the act was and what it does and some other information about it. I'll give my opinions at the very, very end, but this is a kind of an informational podcast that I'm relaying to you. So people who kind of bring up Biden and Trump in terms of what they did economically, you can actually point out the acts and what it does to both presidents. But again, like I said, right after I will give my direct opinion on each act after I talk about it and I'm going to go president by president. So I'll go all Donald Trump and then go all Joe Biden. And then I'm going to read off some statistics that uh, I think is important to know as well. So first, let's start off with Donald Trump. Um, First, he had the tax cuts and job acts. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is a significant congressional revenue act passed in 2017 that made extensive changes to the United States tax code. It aimed to stimulate economic growth by reducing tax rates for businesses and individuals, increasing standard deductions and family tax credits, and eliminating personal exemptions. The Act also limited deductions for state and local taxes, reducing the alternative minimum tax for individuals, and doubled the estate tax exemption. Additionally, it reduced the penalty for violating the individual mandate of the Affordable Care Act to $0. The Act was based on tax reform advocated by congressional Republicans in the Trump administration. The Act also provided substantial benefits to individuals and pass-through entities over 10 years, with corporations also receiving significant benefits. However, it was projected to increase the national debt by trillions of dollars over the same period. Many of the tax cut provisions, particularly income tax cuts, are set to expire in 2025, with corporate tax cuts are permanent. Supporters argued that the act would boost GDP growth, increase business investment, and simplify the tax code, among other benefits, of course. Opponents argued or were concerned about its impact on the budget deficit, income inequality, healthcare coverage, and certain states and professions. The ads face mixed public opinion when it comes to the polls. And according to Bloomberg, the, the ads have simplified the tax code for some but not all individuals, lowered corporate debt, temporarily increased investment before declining, and brought money back from overseas without a corresponding increase in business activity. So overall, this is one of the big like acts that Donald Trump put into place that people praise him consistently for because of the tax cuts. And this praise definitely is warranted to an extent, especially for like business owners and entrepreneurs. I can 100% see why you would basically be a fan of this act and what it did for you in particular. I will say this to kind of put this in perspective that some people like to argue for this act and they don't really get any benefits from the act. One, because they're not making enough money in the first place and probably just get a tax refund at the end of the year or two, they're just not a business owner at the end of the day. Not, I'm not saying you can't appreciate what the act did, but it's something that I want to point out nonetheless and overall, when it comes down to it, I think for me, I'm going to kind of give my own personal like, d- do I like it or do I dislike it? For me, I thought this act was, you know, pretty good. I think this act was a, a net positive overall. I mean, no act and policy is going to be perfect. But this act, for what it did, what it for what it provided for businesses, I think was a. Very, very smart thing. I think there are certain things when it comes to taxes that we probably have to have a very tough conversation about in terms of how it works in America. And is it truly incentivizing tax taxes in particular for people to kind of stay within the system? Because people do all these loopholes. People do all these reach arounds. People go to certain states that have no taxes, no income tax. So would it be better if we tax them less so they don't feel like all their money is getting taken away? Because let me ask you, if you got a paycheck for like $2,000 and you got a taxes were taken out of that paycheck, that just $2,000 paycheck, and the amount of taxes that was taken out was almost $400, wouldn't you be pretty upset about that? So you can kind of understand where people are coming from. And I think that's so important when it comes down to these conversations. Next, let's talk about Trump's tariffs. During Donald Trump's presidency, the Trump tariffs were implemented as part of his America First economic policy, aiming to reduce the United States trade deficit by shifting trade policy from multilateral agreements to bilateral deals. These tariffs included measures such as imposing tariffs on solar panels, washing machines, steels, and aluminum, with subsequent extensions to countries like the EU, Canada, and Mexico. Separate tariffs were also placed on goods imported from China, sparking a trade war between the two nations these tariffs drew ire from trading partners leading to a retaliatory tariffs on u.s goods in response to the economic impact on farmers the trump administration utilized the commodity credit corporation to provide financial aid totaling billions of dollars while negotiations resulted in the lifting of some tariffs such as those on canada and mexico Trump's announcement of tariffs on the Mexico imports and threatened the ratification of the USMCA trade deal. Analysis suggests that tar- Trump's tariffs constituted significant tax increases, negatively impacting real income and GDP in the U.S. studies, also indicated adverse effects on Republican candidates in elections because of the after effects of what went down. And I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more detail in a bit regarding some of those things. But this is a very another very huge thing following the idea of America first. Now, I am not particularly mad at the vision. The vision is not to rely on exported goods as much especially exported goods that we can create ourselves and try to build up our manufacturing and trying to build up jobs here in America so we don't have to rely on especially countries that could be potentially our enemies, such as China. So I understood the vision behind it in terms of the America first of economic policy, but the execution should be called into question, especially the people that we're tar- uh, using tariffs on and the extent of the tariffs. Because of it, a lot of stuff happened in, in reference to it that negatively impact the U.S. economy, especially farmers that we're going to talk about in a second. So ultimately, because of what happened and because of a lot of these other countries kind of being upset and not willing being willing to trade, and we had a little trade war with China that I'll also talk about, that actually put the America in a very pretty bad situation internationally overall. Oh, so I, for me, when it comes to the Trump tariffs, I, I see the vision. I like the vision. Was it executed properly? I think you can argue that it wasn't. But if anybody wants to argue that it was a net positive, I'm here. I'm willing to listen. Like, I'm willing to have a conversation about it. So if you do, let me know. But the Trump tariffs were a big thing for Trump. And there's two things that connected to it. Like I said, I was going to talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Trump administration farmer bailouts. So the Trump administration farmer bailouts are a series of United States bailout programs introduced during the presidency of Donald Trump as a consequence of his America first economic policy to help U.S. farmers suffering due to the U.S.-China trade war and trade disputes with EU, Japan, Canada, Mexico, and others. China respects and respectively. European reconcilable tariffs imposed on peanut butter, soybeans, orange juice, and other agricultural products have hit hard, especially swing states such as Iowa, Ohio, and Wisconsin. So it really impacted farmers and the farmers obviously got extremely angry, which in result basically forced Trump's hand to create a program to kind of send them stimulus packages, basically, you know, the same stimulus package we got for COVID Trump had to do that for farmers because of this war with China um, to kind of go into a little bit, some other kind of things that you may be interested in in North Dakota, public health officials reported a rising number of suicide caused by unpredictable financial conditions amongst especially young farmers and the U.S. government obliged to buy $1.4 billion of products as well and well place these products to food banks or programs for schools. Another part of the bailout is a $100 million program to find new markets for U.S. farmers. So there's a lot that the America had to do to bail out the farmers because of this trade war. And let's talk about that war in a little bit. The China-United States trade war, which is economic conflict between China and United States, has been ongoing since 2018 of January of Trump's presidency, and it began because of the tariffs, of course. The Trump administration stated that these practices may contribute to the U.S.-China trade deficit and that the Chinese government requires transfer of American technology to China. In response to U.S. trade measures, the Chinese government accused the Trump administration of engaging in nationalist protectionism and took retaliatory action. After the trade war escalated through 2019 in January 2020, the two sides reached a tense phase one agreement and expired in December 2021, with China failing by a wide margin to reach its target for U.S. imports to China. By the end of the Trump presidency, the trade war was widely characterized as a failure for the United States. Now, this is something that was written, so I'm going to say this with caveat. These are not my words, but they said his successor, Joe Biden, however, has kept the tariffs in place. In early 2024, the Trump campaign was mulling a 60% tariff on Chinese goods, 60% tariff. So. Yeah, that was that. That was huge. The, the trade war that we're having with China because of uh, Trump's tariffs and the 60 percent uh, tariff tax was huge in terms of changing our relationship with China and how it affected the U.S. economy, especially. So those are some of Trump's economic policies that you may be interested in learning about. Right. So let's talk about what Joe Biden did, of course. So first things first, we know that everything that Joe Biden did is considered Bidenomics. Um, One of the first things that he did was called the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, also known as the COVID-19 stimulus package, which is a $1.9 trillion economic stimulus bill passed by the 117th United States Congress and signed into law by Biden. It aimed to accelerate the nation's recovery from the economic and health impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and recession, building upon previous relief measures like the CARES Act and the Consolidation Appropriations Act. The package provided direct stimulus payments to individual taxpayers, allocated funds to state and local governments, supported COVID-19 vaccine distribution, and allocated resources to schools for safe reopening. Additionally, it included provisions for unemployment benefits and expanded child tax credit, assistance to small businesses and restaurants, and expanded eligibility for Affordable Care Act subsidies and Medicaid. So, yeah, I think for the most part, we can all agree, even if you're an anti-vaxxer, that the COVID-19 stimulus package was a good thing during COVID-19. It just was considering what was going on. People were kind of struggling. People didn't know what to do. And um, some people lost their jobs because of COVID. Uh, people had to get laid off, of course. And this kind of kept people afloat. It, it provided them certain benefits. It provided certain programs to keep them stable until we get through the pandemic. And it did its job, all things considered, if you really think about it. on. This is not even mentioned in the fact that it, it um, delayed student loan debt for years while this took place. So this was a kind of huge bill in terms of kind of putting the United States on track. Can you have some criticisms with it? Of course you can. You could argue they could have been sending less money. You could argue they could have been sending more money. You can obviously bring up the vaccine stuff, but ultimately... Like if we're talking about whether it's a net positive or net negative, I think you have to argue or you have to agree that it was a net positive considering the state of America at that time. So with that said, let's move on to the next one, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Originally introduced as the Invest in America Act, it underwent negotiations and amendments to include funding for broadband access, clean water, and electric grid renewal in addition to transportation proposals. The final version of the bill allocated approximately $1.2 trillion in spending, with $550 billion being newly authorized. So this infrastructure and act and the American jobs plan is a idea from what it seems like from Biden's side to kind of reinvest into the American infrastructure and what we got going on here, which kind of plays into the idea of America first that people like to talk about all the time. And to be fair, even though America is a developed nation, is the greatest nation in the world, it's the number one nation in the world. It still has its glaring problems. It has its glaring holes. And there are places in the poor communities, in the low income communities where the infrastructure is not good, where the roads are not good, where the bridges are not good, where the programs there are not good, where the benefits over there is not good. Uh, they don't have clean water in some places. So reinvesting the, reinvesting the resources basically into these areas to, br- to kind of bring them up. Ultimately is a good thing for America. Now, you obviously can criticize, and for to an extent, I, I think you probably would have a valid, valid criticism in this in terms of them increasing the corporate tax. But ultimately, in order for our country to get to where it's supposed to go, we got to invest in it as a people. That's just the truth of the matter, right? So I think this is a net positive. You could argue that more state governments should be doing this, but if state governments aren't doing these things, then you can't really be mad at the federal government kind of taking the step necessary to improve these areas that need to be improved. So that's that's what we got for that. Next, we got um, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 is a federal law. Sponsored by Senators Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin, the bill targets inflation by potentially reducing the federal budget deficit, lowering prescription drug prices, and investing in domestic energy production while promoting clean energy. Originally part of negotiations on the proposed Build Back Better Act, the IRA underwent comprehensive reworking and reduction after opposition from Senator Manichin. It was introduced as an amendment to the Build Back Better Act with unanimous support from Democrats in both the Senate and the House, while all Republicans opposed it. The law is projected to raise $738 billion from tax and prescription drug reforms to lower prices and authorize $891 billion in total spending. This includes significant investment in energy and climate change initiatives, representing the largest such investment in U.S. history. Additionally, the IRA includes a substantial expansion and modernization effort for the RRS. Independent analysis has projected the law reduce U.S. greenhouse gas emissions by forty percent below two thousand five levels by two thousand and thirty. However, the projected impact of the bill on inflation is a subject of dispute. So ultimately, the again the, another act that obviously had a intended purpose and. If you guys are coming at me in terms of saying it's obviously you, there's a side that you're choosing, well, you're damn right there's a side I'm choosing. I'm not Democrat. I'm not a leftist. I'm not a Biden supporter. But things seem pretty obvious to me when I'm looking at the economic policies that were being passed and the intent of the policies that are being passed, that who was trying or basically who's doing a better job in terms of impacting the economy. And one thing that is very nasty for me when people have these conversations with Trump and Biden, because ultimately I'm not mad at people saying, oh, look at what Trump did for the economy. In reality, these people just hear it all the time from Republicans. The reality is Trump was doing pretty good for the economy at the beginning, but when COVID hit, he was doing a terrible job. And then Joe Biden took office under COVID and had to fix the economy while COVID was existing. So people don't give Biden the grace that they give Trump, ignoring the fact that the economy actually went down when COVID hit under him. Whereas with Biden, ever since he got presidency when COVID started, it's just been going up. People don't want to take that into account. They want to mention things about the the tariffs and the, the tax cuts But ultimately the tariffs weren't a good thing for America, and the tax cuts benefit business owners, which I respect. Well, okay, let's talk about the numbers, right? If we're talking about the numbers in terms of jobs, which is what affects people the most, we don't even really have to talk about GDP, even though GDP overall, I mean, it's really hard to measure because of COVID. But let's talk about unemployment, let's talk about jobs. These are the things that matter the most to people. This is the thing that People credit Trump the most when it comes to putting jobs out there, when it comes to creating opportunities for the people. That's why the Trump tariffs exist in the first place, right? Well, under Trump, from January 2017 to uh, January of 2021, it went from his beginning, the inauguration, to when he left office. 145.6 million jobs dropped to 142.6 million. Million jobs, which is a negative 2% from his start to his finish in terms of the amount of jobs that existed under Trump. As for the unemployment rate, that went from 4.7% of unemployment to 6.3% unemployment. So, in both metrics, it went down under Trump. But let's talk about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, and there's two kind of levels of statistics that I'm going to talk about. First, the level of statistics from Biden since the start of his presidency till now. And then his, the, the statistics of pre-pandemic numbers till now. And this is why it's going to matter in a second. So from the start till now, Biden had, there was 143 million jobs that existed. Obviously, it makes sense considering uh, what Trump left off it rose to 157.2 million jobs. That's a plus 10% increase. And as for the unemployment rate, it went from 6.3% from Trump to 3.7%. So it went to a level lower than Trump under Biden. But what about pre-pandemic numbers? Before the pandemic, right at the tail end of like Trump, before the pandemic hit and then it started going really really bad well pre-pandemic numbers till now is pre-pandemic there's 152.4 million jobs under trump pre-pandemic now it's 157.2 million it's still increased by 3.1 percent and as for unemployment I think that one that one is a little different. It's it, The numbers are relatively the same. From pre-pandemic, it was 3.5% under Trump. Shout out Trump. Now it's 3.7%. So it went up by 0.2% pre-pandemic. Not a, not a big change compared to the other numbers, but that is a change nonetheless. So with that said, the policies when it comes to Biden had better impact. They, they focused on America in a lot more depth. And the numbers don't back up Trump. So, if we're talking about the economy, the biggest reason why people like Donald Trump, other than his populist rhetoric, and I'll be completely honest to you, I don't like Donald Trump. I think he's a terrible representation of America. So he said some recent stuff about how he would let Russia do whatever he wants. It's not good. But regardless, I had to do my due diligence. I had to look into, okay, everybody keeps on bringing the economics, the, the what Trump did for the economy. But when I looked into it, when I looked into the policies, when I looked into the statistics, they don't back up Trump. They actually back up Biden. Biden did better for the economy than Trump did. Now, obviously, it comes from your point of reference. If you're a business owner, you are going to hate what Biden did, and you're going to love what Trump did. I'm a business owner, tax cuts, and then Biden wants to increase corporate tax. I can I can understand why you would prefer Biden over Trump. But statistically, what he did for the people, there's no question. The fact that Biden was able to recover from the pandemic era so well, why pe- people don't give him that credit? So that that is all I got to say. And to answer the question that I asked you, or basically to reiterate the question that I asked you. Who did a better job for the economy, Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast episode. This is kind of a series that I'll be going down piece by piece in terms of Trump's presidency versus Biden's presidency. Um, So next, I'm going to go into a different category of both of them and what they did for the country. So we'll be kind of doing this for a while as this election kind of goes on, barring any other, like if I had to cover a really important topic. So we'll be doing this for a while. A lot of Trump and Biden stuff, a lot of research that has to go into it, but hope you guys enjoyed. Of course, y'all have a good one. Take care and peace. Oh, and stick around for the, uh, the promo. We'll check it out. Y'all we got what you need.